Chapter 18 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. Chapter 18 A Day of Freedom. Toby ran at the top of his speed over the rough road, and the monkey jolted from one side to the other, clutched his paws more tightly around the boy's neck, looking around into his face as if to ask what was the meaning of this very singular proceeding. When he was so very nearly breathless as to be able to run no more, but was forced to walk, Toby looked behind him, and there he could see the bright lights of the circus and hear the strains of the music as he had heard them on the night when he was getting ready to run away from uncle daniel and those very sounds which reminded him forcibly of how ungrateful he had been to the old man who had cared for him when there was no one else in the world who would do so made it more easy for him to leave those behind who had been so kind to him when he stood so much in need of kindness. "'We are going home, Mr. Stubbs,' he said exultantly to the monkey. "'Home to Uncle Dan'l and the boys, "'and won't you have a good time when we get there. "'You can run all over the barn and up in the trees "'and do just what you want to, "'and there'll be plenty of fellows to play with you. "'You don't know half how good a place Guilford is, Mr. Stubbs.' The monkey chattered away as if he were anticipating lots of fun on his arrival at Toby's home, and the boy chattered back, his spirits rising at every step, which took him farther away from the collection of tents where he had spent so many wretched hours. A brisk walk of half an hour sufficed to take Toby to the woods, and after some little search he found a thick clump of bushes in which he concluded he could sleep without the risk of being seen by any one who might pass that way before he should be awake in the morning. He had not much choice in the way of a bed, for it was so dark in the woods that it was impossible to collect moss or leaves to make a soft resting place, and the few leaves and pine boughs which he did gather made his place for sleeping but very little softer. But during the ten weeks that Toby had been with the circus, his bed had seldom been anything softer than the seat of the wagon, and it troubled him very little that he was to sleep with nothing but a few leaves between himself and the earth. Using the bundle in which was his riding costume for a pillow, and placing the lunch Mrs. Treat had given him nearby, where the monkey could not get at it conveniently, he cuddled Mr. Stubbs up in his bosom and lay down to sleep. Mr. Lord won't wake us up in the morning and swear at us for not washing the tumblers, said Toby, in a tone of satisfaction to the monkey, and we won't have to go into the tent tomorrow and sell sick lemonade and poor peanuts, but, and here his tone changed to one of sorrow, there'll be some there that'll be sorry not to see us in the morning, Mr. Stubbs, though they'll be glad to know that we got away all right, but won't Mr. Lord swear? and won't Mr. Castle crack his whip 
when they come to look round for us in the morning and find that we ain't there. The only reply which the monkey made to this was to nestle his head closer under Toby's coat and to show in the most decided manner that he was ready to go to sleep. And Toby was quite as ready to go to sleep as he was. He had worked hard that day, but the excitement of escaping had prevented him from realizing his fatigue until after he had lain down, and almost before he had got through congratulating himself upon the ease with which he had gotten free, both he and the monkey were as sound asleep as if they had been tucked up in the softest bed that was ever made. Toby's very weariness was a friend to him that night, for it prevented him from waking, which, if he had done so, might have been unpleasant when he fully realized that he was all alone in the forest, and the sounds that are always heard in the woods might have frightened him just the least bit. The sun was shining directly in his face when Toby awoke on the following morning, and the old monkey was still snugly nestled under his coat. He sat up rather dazed at first, and then, as he fully realized that he was actually free from all that had made his life such a sad and hard one for so many weeks, he shouted aloud, reveling in his freedom. The monkey, awakened by Toby's cries, started from his sleep in a fright and jumped into the nearest tree, only to chatter, jump, and swing from the boughs when he saw that there was nothing very unusual going on, save that he and Toby were out in the woods again, where they could have no end of a good time and do just as they liked. After a few moments spent in a short jubilee at their escape, Toby took the monkey on his shoulder and the bundles under his arm again and went cautiously out to the edge of the thicket, where he could form some idea as to whither or no they were pursued. He had entered the woods at the brow of a small hill when he had fled so hastily on the previous evening, and looking down, he could see the spot whereon the tents of the circus had been pitched, but not a sign of them was now visible. He could see a number of people walking around, and he fancied that they looked up every now and then to where he stood concealed by the foliage. This gave him no little uneasiness, for he feared that Mr. Lord or Mr. Castle might be among the number, and he believed that they would begin a search for him at once, and that the spot where their attention would first be drawn was exactly where he was then standing. This won't do, Mr. Stubbs, he said, as he pushed the monkey higher up on his shoulder and started into the thickest part of the woods. We must get out of this place and go farther down, where we can hide till tomorrow morning. Besides, we must find some water where we can wash our faces. The old monkey would hardly have been troubled if they had not their faces washed for the next month to come. But he grinned and talked as Toby trudged along attempting to catch hold of the leaves as they were passed, and in various other ways impeding his master's progress, until Toby was obliged to give him a most severe scolding in order to make him behave himself in anything like a decent manner. At last, after fully half an hour's rapid walking, Toby found just the place he wanted in which to pass the time 
he concluded it would be necessary to spend before he dare venture out to start for home. It was a little valley entirely filled by trees, which grew so thickly save in one little spot as to make it almost impossible to walk through. The one clear spot was not more than ten feet square, but it was just at the edge of a swiftly running brook, and a more beautiful or convenient place for a boy and a monkey to stop who had no tent, no means to build one, could not well be imagined. Toby's first act was to wash his face, and he tried to make the monkey do the same, but Mr. Stubbs had no idea of doing any such foolish thing. He would come down close to the edge of the water and look in, but the moment that Toby tried to make him go in, he would rush back among the trees, climb out on some slender bough, and then swing himself down by the tail, and chatter away as if making sport of his young master, for thinking that he would be so foolish as to soil his face with water. After Toby had made his toilet, he unfastened the bundle which the fat lady had given him, for the purpose of having breakfast. As much of an eater as Toby was, he could not but be surprised at the quantity of food which Mrs. Treat called a lunch. There were two whole pies and half of another, as many as two dozen doughnuts, several large pieces of cheese, six sandwiches, with a plentiful amount of meat, half a dozen biscuits, nicely buttered, and a large piece of cake. The monkey had come down from the tree as soon as he saw Toby untying the bundle, and there was quite as much pleasure depicted on his face when he saw the good things that were spread out before him as there was on Toby's, and he showed his thankfulness at Mrs. Treat's foresight by suddenly snatching one of the doughnuts and running with it up the tree, where he knew Toby could not follow. Now look here, Mr. Stubbs, said Toby sternly, you can have all you want to eat, but you must take it in a decent way, and not go to cutting up any such shines as that. And after giving this command, which, by the way, was obeyed just about as well as it was understood, Toby devoted his time to his breakfast, and he reduced the amount of eatables very considerably before he had finished. Toby cleared off his table by gathering the food together, and putting it back into the paper as well as possible, and then he sat down to think over the situation and to decide what he had better do. He felt rather nervous about venturing out when it was possible for Mr. Lord or Mr. Castle to get hold of him again, and as the weather was yet warm during the night, his camping place everything that could be desired, and the stock of food likely to hold out, he concluded that he had better remain there for two days at least, and then he would be reasonably sure that if either of the men whom he so dreaded to see had remained behind for the purpose of catching him, he would have got tired out and gone on. This point decided upon, the next was to try to fix up something soft for a bed. He had his pocket-knife with him, and in his little valley were pine and hemlock trees in abundance. From the tips of their branches, he knew that he could make a bed as soft and fragrant as any that could be thought of, and he set to work at once while Mr. Stubbs continued his antics above his head. 
After about two hours' steady work he had cut enough of the tender branches to make himself a bed into which he and the monkey could burrow and sleep as comfortably as if they were in the softest bed in Uncle Daniel's house. When Toby first began to cut the boughs, he had an idea that he might possibly make some sort of a hut. But the two hours' work had blistered his hands, and he was perfectly ready to sit down and rest, without the slightest desire for any other kind of a hut than that formed by the trees themselves. Toby imagined that in that beautiful place he could, with the monkey, stay contented for any number of days. But after he had rested a time, played with his pet a little, and eaten just a trifle more of the lunch, the time passed so slowly that he soon made up his mind to run the risk of meeting Mr. Lord or Mr. Castle again by going out of the woods the first thing the next morning. Very many times before the sun set that day was Toby tempted to run the risk that night for the sake of the change, if no more. But as he thought the matter over, he saw how dangerous such a course would be, and he forced himself to wait. That night he did not sleep as soundly as on the previous one, for the very good reason that he was not as tired. He awoke several times, and the noise of the night birds alarmed him to such an extent that he was obliged to awaken the old monkey for company. But the night passed despite his fears, as all nights will, whether a boy is out in the woods alone or tucked up in his own little bed at home. In the morning Toby made all possible haste to get away, for each moment that he stayed now made him more impatient to be moving toward home. He washed himself as quickly as possible, ate his breakfast with the most unseemly haste, and taking up his bundles and the monkey, once more started, as he supposed, in the direction from which he had entered the woods. Toby walked briskly along in the best possible spirits, for his running away was now an accomplished fact, and he was going toward Uncle Daniel and home just as fast as possible. He sung Old Hundred through five or six times by way of showing his happiness. It is quite likely that he would have sung something a little more lively had he known anything else. But Old Hundred was the extent of his musical education, and he kept repeating that, which was quite as satisfactory as if he had been able to go through with every opera that was ever written. The monkey would jump from his shoulder into the branches above, run along on the trees for a short distance, and then wait until Toby came along, when he would drop down on his shoulder suddenly, and in every other way of displaying monkey delight, he showed that he was just as happy as it was possible. Toby trudged on in this contented way for nearly an hour, and every moment expected to step out to the edge of the woods, where he could see houses and men once more. But instead of doing so, the forest seemed to grow more dense, and nothing betokened his approach to the village. There was a great fear came into Toby's heart just then, and for a moment he halted in helpless perplexity. His lips began to quiver, his face grew white, and his hand trembled so that the old monkey took hold of one of his fingers 
and looked at it wonderingly. End of chapter 18 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts September 2010